Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw, nice. caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown! Adriel Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland. Hello and welcome to episode 90 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is still rocking and rolling. We've reached our 90th episode, bit of a landmark there. And the man who's been by my side, both physically and virtually, uh, is here with me to go through this 90th episode. It's Nathan Palmer, everybody. How you doing, Paul? We're on the home straight here for the 100, aren't we? No, no one thought probably episode one we'd be stood here episode 90 after about two and a half years still going but we've been touching distance of three figures at this point yes absolutely and uh nathan uh talking and standing still and one you're not standing still are you no i'm quite enjoying this like um, this fluid approach to the podcast so i'm almost identically at the same point of my journey where i was when i joined you last week so i've got a nice sort of 40 minute walk in front of me where I'll be giving my views on this podcast. I'm just playing the proclaimers. I'm going to be 500 miles in the background because you are now our designated walker. Uh, what's uh, you? You don't walk every day, though, do you? Well, most days I do one way there, and then sometimes I'll jump on the overground three stops. Other days, depending on how fit I'm feeling, it's about an hour each way. So you join me about. 25% into my walk, 30% in. 25% into your walk. Well, there we go. Yeah. What uh, a thrilling experience for the listeners to get a real like insight into walking walking tours <laughs> of London. I know. This should be a separate podcast, shouldn't it? Walking tours yeah, really. of London with Nathan Palmer. Uh, trouble yeah. is, there'd be more pubs than uh, Rolling Hills, I would imagine, wouldn't there? Oh, mate. Well, yeah, I heard you were straight in the booze of Saturday at about 9am, so you and Paul Brown were like fighting to be which pub oh, you could get in London first, weren't you? Oh, don't know. Uh, listeners don't know. Paul Brown is not our Paul Brown. It's the uh, Browns UK blogger who just happens to be called Paul Brown, who went uh, on a spree on Saturday morning and typically for Paul Brown, Recorded it all, got on to BBC News and got the uh, coverage he often craves. But there there we go. Good for him. Well, I know you were, because um, obviously, I know you were, you didn't, weren't as vocal about it on video, but I saw you um, with a Weatherspoons down in Leicester Square about 9am, suddenly Jaeger bombs, weren't you? Oh, uh, well, no. I think I might have been still in, <laughs> still in bed by 9 o'clock, especially, especially after the punishing exercise routine you put me through last week. Wait, I tell you what, that was good fun. That was, wasn't it? Yes, me and Nathan did go to a local park and chucked a ball around and uh, kicked a ball around, which is really good fun. Actually, it was really good. Yeah, really good. I've got to say, for for listeners that question our athletic ability on this podcast, <laughs> they're entirely like to say, right to. Yeah, entirely right to. But Paul Hirons reminded me of a hybrid between Pippo, a young Pippo and Zaggy and Taribo West, all in one. He had the sort of flair of Taribo West at the back with this sort of natural predatory instincts of a young Pippo and Zaggy. So it was a, it was a pleasure to watch him. Taribo West? What are you talking about? Do you remember Taribo West, the sort of uh, the flamboyant Nigerian defender? That, yeah, they used, to, they used to play for Inter and AC Milan. Yeah, I do, but that would be the last person 
I think to compare myself to, to be honest with you. I mean, I haven't got those little kind of dreadlocks for a start. No, but you've got the physical presence in him. He's like a flamboyant physical defender. <laughs> and that's what I would have put your like, playing style down to, you know, son. Okay, well, there we go. I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. Um, um, just call me Taribo from there, from now on, I think. <laughs> Um, also, not a bad arm, son, either. I was all round pleasantly surprised your athletic ability. You've got a good little spiral going, you know what I mean? Good arm strength. Definite, definite second day pick, I would say. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that. I didn't think the ball was coming out very well at all and just very envious of people who can throw it uh, with that beautiful spiral. You chucked a few good ones, I'll, I'll have to admit. But anyway, what are we talking about? Everyone's switched off by now. It's it's, it's kind of developed <laughs> into a conversation about what we do in our spare yeah, time together. Out, stroking each other's egos. Exactly. <laughs> uh, listen, it is episode 90, so thank you very much uh, for sticking with us until episode 90. Um, I was looking through some of our guests today, and it's been nothing short of astonishing, really. Even... Even recently, when we've had the likes of Hugh Jackson and Carson Palmer and Tommy Smith was a very special episode. But certainly, uh, 90 episodes. Quite proud of that, aren't you, Nathan? Yeah, like, like I said before, like genuinely, crazy we've got to 90. I mean, you just think, if we did one every week, that's still nearly two years' worth of podcasting, you know. And obviously, at certain points in the off-season and stuff, we've gone to sort of one every two, three weeks. So... It, for doing it two and a half years, still going strong is, yeah, I'm buzzing with it, and I hope that I hope the listeners still think it's uh, worth a listen, you know. But yeah, really proud of it. Yeah, sorry, I just had some crisps. Um, which is obviously the kind of podcast gold that people keep tuning in week in week out for. Um, on this 90th episode, there's not a lot of Bengals news knocking about. Really, you wouldn't expect it to, even in under normal circumstances at this time of the season. Uh, Trey Waynes has been complaining that he hasn't signed his contract yet and uh, it actually made him question whether he'd made the right move or not. So that's going to be interesting going forward. There was a great uh, podcast last week with uh, on Hear That Podcast Growling with Paul Dana and Jay Morrison discussing the Joe Mixon situation and um, Paul Dana Jr. echoing what you said, Nathan, last week. Why on earth would you pay a running back, even if it is... Joe Mixon history dictates that it's not a good idea. <clears throat> yeah. Well, uh, I think as well, I mean, I, I've read a little bit about this as well with the current market situations and obviously teams being a little bit concerned about their pockets and the salary caps and stuff like that. They were saying that it, it's sort of gone from being a unlikely scenario where he's um, extended on a big contract to an almost impossible um, scenario as to which he's extended. So, you know, it is going to be interesting under the new uh, collective bargaining agreement. Like what? how that is going to play out, but it certainly doesn't bode well if you're Joe Mixon's bank account. So, Well, not just Joe Mixon, but any player seeking an, a, a big extension. I think they just lost pretty much three quarters of their leverage, really, in any contract discussions, don't you? Yeah, absolutely, especially for running backs. I mean, it's slightly outrageous, really, because so many, you know, real cherished players over the years, you know, Adrian Petersons and your Barry Sanders and these sort of incredible running backs across the years that are multi-dimensional as well like not just runners but also you know uh, catches out of the backfield it's completely crazy that this position that's been so sort of um has such a legacy attached to it and such amazing players has almost become 
not, not worthless by any means. They're still so, like, even now you've got these incredible players like McCaffrey and Zeke Elliott and everyone else. But, but you just people just don't want to pay for it. No, it's just you... a really bizarre thing. It's like these are such like everyone in fantasy football. They're like the prime players. Everyone goes for. They get the most touches in the game. They score the most points for the most part. Yet no one wants to pay them. Yeah. And but... apparently, according to like Pro Football Focus, they've done countless pieces, just sort of like putting down running backs, saying that you know they've got hardly any impact um, on the game compared with the other positions of the NFL. And they've got some fancy stat that analyzes, you know, a player's sort of quote, quote, like worth in a game and like, mm. you know, how they play and how it impacts the game. And apparently running backs have got one of the lowest, um, statistics for that. Like I've obviously done a really bad job of explaining that, but if you <laughs> Google it, it's about pro football focus and valuing running backs. They've, they're really, really like negative about it. Um, and it's really interesting, you know. It just baffles me a bit because even four or five years ago, you have people like Le'Veon Bell tearing the Bengals up, and you think it's just whenever we play this guy, you know, you think, Jesus, he's going to tear us apart. But yeah, I don't know. No one just seems to. Now it's just like, well, we don't want to pay anyone. It's really weird. It is, um, but I think the argument is that history dictates that you know, running backs are very interchangeable, you know, and uh, you, yeah, like you, the argument that you made last year, last week. You know, you can pick up a decent running back in rounds three, four, five. And yeah. As long as you've got a decent offensive line, you know, uh, running backs are kind of here, neither here nor there, really, because um, you can yeah. pick someone up that can do a relatively good job. Um, and now with this kind of the whole pandemic thing going on, and um, Again, it lessens their leverage. The salary cap may be cut next year, you know, because of all yeah. the, the financial strain and the financial hit that this pandemic uh, has, well, has hit. Not just the sports industry, but the entire economy. Um, yeah. So it's going to be very interesting. And, of course, speaking of the pandemic, um, uh, two pre-season games have been cancelled, which is, I think, to be expected, don't you? Yeah, interestingly, the, fir <clears throat> the first and the last game, um, which I think for most teams is that sort of game where they don't play their starters at all. It's sort of, you know, the first game is very much sort of giving some of the other guys a chance. And the fourth game, I think a lot of teams take it as an opportunity to just sort of, you know, give people an opportunity to who's going to make the roster. They don't want to risk any starters potentially getting injured. Um, so I think it's going to be really hard for, especially for rookies, you know, if your guys in the sort of were drafted in the sort of sixth, seventh round, priority free agents, you've got way less of an opportunity to stake your claim. You know, some guys in training camp maybe don't flash as much as they could, but they get an opportunity on the field and they're just built for the game. And mm. they might not have that chance anymore. They might people like your Marcus Bailey's we had on this podcast. What's he got to do now? You know, these TikTok videos are great, and he's getting himself a name out there with Bengals fans, but. Is he going to have the opportunity um, in two preseason games to get himself on the roster? It's going to be challenging for him. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be very interesting. And, you know, we'll see what happens. All we can do is is wait and see. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on in America regarding COVID at the moment. And the number of infections are going up rapidly in various states. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? And then there's the... NFL PLA who have uh, I believe questioned the safety uh, of 
going back into training camp because they're worried because uh, some of their members, let's face it, the offensive linemen and the defensive linemen, who are 300 pounds plus, their BMI is in that um, danger area because we're often told the pandemic affects those who are obese uh, more so than those who are not. Um, so that's an interesting wrinkle. I mean, there's a lot to sort out, isn't there, really? Yeah, I mean, NFL teams as well. I mean, it's been a challenge, I think, for some other US sports teams to have less people on a roster and less people on a team. But as we know in the NFL, not only is it the players, it's the coaching staff, the analytics guys, um, the equipment people. There's just, it's a big old team. You know, it's not 11 men and a coach. It's really a lot more than that. And I think it is going to be a real challenge to, you know, get enough testing in place for everyone to get you know to keep everyone socially distanced to you know these people have all got families as well and every single person that sort of you know goes into a game then comes out then comes back in it just the rate of you know the numbers in the u.s at the moment um and trying to contain that within a pr- probably a hundred person team at least i would argue <clears throat> it does seem at the very least quite challenging absolutely um so that's about it for Bengals news. Um, we carry on with our watch parties for the next couple of weeks. I think we're going to carry on until training camp, which is at the end of this month. We, I can tell you that we're going to be heading into the playoffs this coming week. We're going to be playing the first round playoff game in 19... Well, it'll be 1989, won't it? Uh, between the Seahawks and the Bengals from 1989, as I said. The week after, it'll be the AFC Championship game, the Bills and the Bengals, and then we've not quite decided what we're going to do. Can I make a request? Yes. This could be the most controversial request you've had. Yeah. I reckon you should play the Bengals-Steelers game from the playoffs a few years ago. Oh, man, that's good. That game. Do we want to get... I think we've got to open up old wounds. You've got to, we've got to hear, think, we've got to confront the darkness, the abyss. And... I think, I think we do have to, like, we have to sort of, you know, it's like that, that sort of therapy thing. You have to face your fear. Yeah, maybe we, we might put it out there in terms, you know, in a in a vote, basically. Um, but what we are going to do in this episode, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to broaden things out a little bit. We're going to go themed again. We're going to talk about all sports and not just kind of sports but you know like name checking sports that we enjoy watching other than the nfl but um like bad, badminton we're gonna have a half an hour <laughs> yeah. chat about badminton aren't we son and uh yeah well no we're not thankfully um <laughs> we're gonna talk about the power of sports what it means what especially now that you know there has been no live sports uh until around now of course we've got the premier league back and uh, and some of the lower leagues playing as well. Uh, yeah, you know, they're playing in empty stadiums, but, you know, at least it's something. Cricket starts in the UK uh, in a couple of days' time, which a lot of people are, uh, are happy about. Um, horse racing's back. Formula One was back at the weekend. So things are coming back. So I wanted to ask what our listeners and our followers and uh, and Bengals fans across the year, what's what does sport mean to them? Is it because I've often, especially when we had someone like Tommy Smith on, it kind of broadens the debate out. What is sport? Is it purely entertainment? 
Is it something deeper than that? Is it uh, uh, you're representing a country uh, a lot of the time? So there's a lot of kind of nationalism in both good and bad ways there. Um, it's a chance to, it's a platform to air your views, perhaps, or is it? Um, you know, I've often thought of sport as quite a deep mythical, mythological thing where, you know, uh, it's tied in with metal. Oh, blimey, where, where are you now? That sounded, uh, was that your stomach or some car going past? That was a car, that was, I know my, my stomach probably airs its thoughts, but no, it's a car. <laughs> As your as its thoughts being the uh, watchword there, but um, I'm also I'm also ascending uphill. It's like the biggest ascent that I go up. So if right. you can hear me like heavily breathing, you'll know okay, well, I am safe. I'm just struggling a bit. <laughs> I'll carry on talking for a few minutes then until you reach. Yeah, the top go, of that. you're doing me a favour at the moment, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, for me, sport is. I played it a lot when I was a kid uh, and growing up, and sport was intertwined and. Uh, inextricably linked to family and uh, nostalgia. It's the smell of, of fried onions as you walk to a football ground or, uh, you know, uh, the sound of, of, of leather on willow in, in cricket, you know, the sound of the crowd, the roar, the, the hum, the atmosphere, the energy that you get with sharing this moment with other people, both physically and increasingly, as we found... Um, virtually, you know, because Bengals UK was started um, online, on Twitter, and it very quickly united a lot of people together. So what what is what is it? What, what is it about sport that makes us love it so much? Uh, is it kind of deep and meaningful, or is it exactly that, just entertainment? And I'll be asking those questions to our special guest later on. It's uh, Mr. Cincinnati Sport himself, Mo Egger and there's some fantastic stuff that uh, Mo comes out with about family and uh, and his links to sport and, and the reasons why he loves sport so much. As I say, for me, sport is always, as I get older, it nostalgia plays a big part in it. So I remember when I was a kid, certainly, I don't know, let me think, eight, nine, ten years old maybe, going on school, maybe a bit later actually, probably about 12 or 13, going to Wembley uh, on coach trips with dad to go, my dad to go and see England schoolboys play at Wembley um, and then going with my uncle to go and see my nearest uh, big team, which is Coventry. And now in the modern day, and certainly back then, uh, I used to go with dad to see our local team, which was uh, Lemington. Well, I, then they were called AP Lemington, uh, but nowadays called Lemington FC. And he used to stand with his mates, chuntering away in the stands while me and a f few other mates went running around the little stadium there. You know, it was a, uh, it was both rites of passage and uh, and routine, really. And that becomes embedded, and that becomes behaviour. Um, and then when I started playing, you know, I played to quite a high standard in my teams, teens. This is football, that is. Um, um, had trial for England, all that kind of stuff. When, when was I? 14, 15 maybe years old. Um, so I've got my own, you know, going on tour with Warwickshire. I was captain of my county, Warwickshire, and going on tour with them to various 
places, went to America and Spain and France and all the rest of it. So I was very lucky uh, up to a point. And then, um, so sport has been always part of my life. And I've, I've fallen in love with the NFL when it was, you know, in, as a teen and then fall in love with basketball and fall in love with cricket. And so sport has always been there. And as I get older now, it's all about nostalgia. Uh, it's all about what do we do? Carrying on that tradition, you know, me and my brother, well, we used to when it, pre-pandemic, we'll go and see Leamington play and he'll bring his little boy and he'll be a mascot and he'll play for you know, Leamington boys team and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's a constant generational thing, I, I think. And um, uh, I think there is a certain power there to sport that um, we often don't discuss, really. What about you, Nathan? What's your What's been your involvement in sport? I, th- I think with sport, and like you, you put it really well, it, it's just the main thing I think you get out of it is two things. One is the community side of it i mean i think for anyone that supports a team the amount of people you meet through that team be it online be it in person be it through playing the sport itself it gives you an incredible opportunity to meet other people and i think you know with more and more people like going online now for every reason and you know people choosing to work from home now and people living in much more of a virtual world you can't detract from the physical nature of meeting people through sport be I mean, my first ever girlfriend i met at a tennis club you know the amount of friends i've made through supporting teams or playing sports is incredible yourself being one the reason we do this podcast is because we met via our love of the bengals we've done 90 episodes off the back of it hmm. you know there's countless bengals fans that we could name on this podcast that we we know in person that we've got out with you know really good times with people from abroad that we've met from cincinnati and other parts of the united states people from around the world you know, like your friend Jimmy through the Bengals, big Bengals fan, shout out to him in Tokyo. That mm. I sat and had a, an extremely drunken night with in Tokyo off the back of the Cincinnati Bengals American football team. Yeah, so yeah. there's definitely that part of it that I think is incredible. And I actually think, you know, is probably the biggest part of it. But then the other part of it, obviously, is it's that competitive nature that all of us have. You know, if any of us have ever played sport, or even if you haven't, there's an element of, you know, wanting to win and perform well and, see sport played to a high level. And I think when you watch some of these athletes, be it for the Bengals or a football team you support or a favorite tennis player, golf player, whatever, you almost live vicariously through them in like wanting them to win and play well and, you know, perform to a high standard. And I think all of us enjoy, you know, that love and passion that you share for a particular team or player or um, anything like that. And just watching them do well, watch going through the highs and the lows I think it's really educational. You know, a lot of sports coaches will tell you that the sort of some of the character you can build through learning how to win and lose and, you know, being part of a team and um, gaining leadership skills, you know, learning how to sort of uh, mesh with different types of personalities. It's an an incredible, um, incredible experience, I think, to do that. So they're, they're the two main things that I would I would say I take out of it. Did you play sport? Any sport? What was your What was your sport to play? Not to follow, but to play. What were you good at? Were you good at anything? <laughs> was I good at anything? Sorry, that sounded really patronising, um, but you know what I mean, though. No, it, no. Was there because for me, football was maybe ingrained in my, my dad was a really good footballer, so he really pushed me into football, and I, for some reason, it just completely clicked. 
yeah. and now my brother's son is also a really good footballer at nine years old and you can't really explain why you love football more so than say tiddlywinks or whatever it's just, just yeah. something that's inside right um yeah so what was that sport for you was there one sport that you you were better at than the rest I, th- I played football for you like growing up that was my main sport and then i gave up when i was about 11 i just sort of got to a point with it where i was like man i'm not really sure about this anymore i started playing cricket mm. and I, I was always decent at football like not a bad player you know played for a club growing up week in week out went on tour did sort of stuff like that but i started playing cricket a few of my mates were really into cricket and i got playing cricket at sort of 10 or 11 and my granddad always been a massive cricket player he played for years for you know quite high up sort of county level and stuff and i got into playing that at 11 played that until i was about 16 i captured my local team we you know it was played for the school team all of that growing up and that was probably my sport i was best at i would say probably pound for pound um but the problem with cricket and i uh, to our american listeners that you know probably don't know the ins and outs of cricket it takes a bloody long time yeah. like you know what cricket is like. it could take your whole day up you know you play literally you start playing on a saturday or sunday and you play 40 overs each way you might be playing for nine hours mm. uh, i think it's a big commitment and once you get a job when you're sort of you know you're growing up and you've got to start paying your way it's difficult to sort of balance that so i ended up opting for a more flexible option of playing tennis always loved playing tennis with my mates or recreationally but started playing for a tennis club and to this day that's probably the sport that i'm best at now i played quite right. i've got back into it in the last six nine months um pre-pandemic was just sort of finding my stride but obviously now it's been a bit derailed but I, I just love it, mate. It's, it's such a good way to stay in shape. I mean, when me and you were kicking a ball around over at um, over at Hampstead Heath last week, we were both saying we'd both much rather be part of like a competitive sporting environment, kicking yeah. a ball around, throwing a ball around, than running around the racetrack and doing long-distance running. There's just something more fun about chasing mm. a ball around and testing your skill out than there is, for us anyway, just sort of running around. Absolutely. And I mentioned earlier, you know, that's playing sport and whatnot. Is there that sort of misty-eyed kind of nostalgia thing there with sport for you? Did you have, you know, for me, it is very, as I say, interlinked with family memories and my dad and obviously now he's gone, you know, you kind of almost going to a football match is, is kind of, obviously pre-pandemic, you know, going to football matches sort of gains more significance and you kind of think, oh, look, you know, because normally I'd text dad, you know what the score was because he never came to the d- games in his in his um, older years, but he loved you know me buying him a program and me just texting him the score when there was a goal or whatever. And of course, your first uh, reflex whenever a goal goes is oh god, I better text dad, you know. And of course, yeah. you know that sort of thing it, it becomes I don't know it is, becomes more significant. Um, I think there's real emotion, kind of and nostalgia connected with sports no 100 that, that's the sort of power of it isn't it it goes for each person there's so many like sort of significant factors to it uh, emotionally and stuff like that it's, it's a really interesting sort of chemical isn't it it's just sort of yeah, can bring people together and yeah but it can also divide people i mean you can't tell me how many times have you sort of you lost a game and you're fuming at someone and like our ah, dislike for the steelers you know what i mean yeah, it's yeah. such a emotional game both ways isn't it there's the like the massive highs but you know we were talking about that Bengals game against the Steelers that we were talking about about you know putting on in a couple of weeks potentially 
I felt I've never felt worse. I felt like I'd broken up with someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like we, I remember we were on the me and you were on the phone for about an hour. I was on the phone with Tim Knowles for about an hour. Like you know, it was like we had to talk it out. Yeah. It was that bad that you just <laughs> yeah, felt I that you, you you desperately like needed to speak to someone to sort mm. of you know, vent out the uh, the sadness of it. I mean, it's it's an extraordinary um, range of emotions that you can go through following, playing, participating in sport. It really is. Yeah, and it's it is because you know teams represent a city or a region or a, a country. It does become you know a tribal thing, doesn't it? And it's just a case mm. of how tribal that can become. Um, right, let's bring in our special guest. Well, as we've been doing for the past ten minutes or so, uh, we've been talking about sports, and uh, as regular listeners will know. Uh, we like to have a special guest each week and we try and bring someone in connected with the Bengals or at least Cincinnati. Uh, but for this episode, we've had him on twice before and he's a friend of Bengals UK and he's been over to the, to uh, to Great Britain and London to watch the International Series games featuring the Bengals. Uh, I'm delighted to say Mo Egger at ESPN's 1530, 700 WLW, ESPN Radio, the, the Athletic, what else does he not do? It's Mo Egger back with us on the podcast. Mo, good to talk to you again, my friend. Paul, it's good to be here, man. What's going on? Well, it's uh, an odd world at the moment, isn't it, really? Uh, just trying to <laughs> grapple with the oddities of that world. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> I've uh, I've spent a lot of time over the last three, three and a half, four months, sort of just, uh, you know, <laughs> thinking what my reaction would have been if you would have told me uh, six months ago, here's what life is, is going to be like in the United States and, and what life is going to be like in this world. And I'm not sure I would have believed you. I certainly <laughs> wouldn't have wanted to have believed you and... You know, I think like everybody else, just just hoping as soon as possible that things could uh, return to a, a a a larger sense of normalcy than we've arrived at here. Certainly, things have are different from where they were maybe a month and a half ago or two months ago. But uh, for for my purposes, at least personally, but also professionally, things are are not are not where they need to be. And and then on a on a grander scale, I I just I I hope. Certainly in our country, but also around the world. I, I hope we've, I hope we take some lessons away from all this, and and uh, and and don't doom ourselves to repeat history. If you know what I mean. Mm, absolutely, humans aren't necessarily very good at that. Mo, I hope to hope to kind of dampen uh, that optimism. But I mean, I agree. Let's hope we can learn from this and move on and and get going. I mean, as you say. Last year you were over. We had we had a couple of pints in the Admiralty, as as is the way of these things. And if if we'd have sort of said, "Hey, all the best, Mo. Have a safe trip back to Cincinnati. I might <laughs> see you next year or the year after." But you know, there's going to be a global, deadly global pandemic going on. I don't think either of us would have certainly believed that, would we? No, you know, I'm not sure I would have believed it. Uh, I, was, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday. Hmm. Is a, I, the first time I had seen this person since uh, early March, and uh, a group of us had gone to Arizona in the western part of the United States, uh, about a four-hour plane ride from where we are in Cincinnati, hmm. to go watch uh, baseball spring training. And this was the week before, you know, basically life in America shut down. Yeah. And we were laughing about it. 
I mean, we were, oh, yeah, coronavirus, okay, you know, this is not a big deal. And the morning we flew back, I was watching, I was waiting, uh, we had an early morning flight, I got up extra early, I'm sitting there watching the news, and I kind of said to myself, maybe we should be taking this a little bit more seriously. This right. seems to be, to have the potential to be a big deal, and within four days, you know, the, the, the sort of the tipping point for this country was when sports shut down. I think that's mm-hmm. when it, it really caused people to take a look at this and go, okay, this is, this is going to be something that's going to change our lives for a while. Um, I, I could not have imagined that just a couple of days prior. And, you know, now it's, it's funny whenever I'll, uh, uh, you know, in, in the U S I'm sure they're doing the same in the UK, but in, in the U S when, when sports ended there, there were a lot of to fill the time, old games being shown, <laughs> right, yeah. and including some games from, you know, just maybe a month or so prior to everything being shut down, then you mm. look at it, it's like it's like looking at a, a different age, a different time. Mm, it's, mm. <laughs> it, it feels like that is, the, you know, what you're watching occurred so long ago in the past, and mm. in, the, in the grand scheme of things, it was, it was almost just yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It's it's been bizarre. And as you know, we've been having our sort of watch parties every Sunday, uh, which have been fantastic, actually. In terms of being a, a pro sports journalist, and this is the re- reason why I really wanted to get you on to discuss this, because you you are such a passionate sports fan. You are a professional sports journalist, broadcast and in the written word as well. But you are a sports fan through and through. And I wanted to ask you... Uh, what have you missed about sport, live sport itself? I mean, I know there are lots of elements that go into it. It's the kind of getting together with friends, having a beer before the game and during the game. It's it's hearing the the roar of the crowd. It's the the people that you go with, the the <clears throat> memories that you attach to certain sports events. What what have you missed? Mo- what is it? What is it about sports that have you missed most during this lockdown? Well, there's two things. Uh, first, I would object to the uh, suggestion that I'm a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a carnival barker on the radio. Okay. Uh, you know, guys like your your buddies Paul Daner and Jay Morrison, guys like those are journalists. Uh, I am I am far from that. Uh, oh come on now. There's I think there's 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 two things. Um, you know, in in the United States, one of the big sporting events every year is the the, the the we call it the NCAA tournament. It's the right. National Collegiate Basketball Tournament. It is a huge deal here in the US. And the shutdown um started about a week before the, that tournament was supposed to start. Hmm. And it occurred to me that in the absence of that what I what I wasn't getting were frequent frequent text messages. My, like my my wife even said to me well, your phone's been quiet. <laughs> and I, I think it, it kind of comes down to the shared experience. It's great when we can all watch games together. It's great when we can all convene and hang out. But but oftentimes, you know, you're, you're watching the game at home, something happens, a buddy of yours uh, is also watching it, and you'll get a text from them. Mm. Um, to a degree, you'll, you know, you can enjoy the same things on Twitter. I've missed that. I, I've missed the, the shared sort of collective experience, whether it's together with each other or... Um, you know, maybe a text message, maybe a phone call. It, and it occurred to me that the overwhelming majority of uh, my friends, of, of people that I've formed strong bonds with, the thing we bond over the most is sports. Mm. And, you know, there, there's even been folks who I care about deeply that uh, 
I just haven't heard from all that much. And it's like, okay, I, I got to figure out some other stuff to talk to these people about, <laughs> uh, just to, to keep them in my lives. So I've, I've missed that, but it's, you know, it, the other thing is just at its, at its core, it's, it's the best form of entertainment. It's not right. scripted. Um, you, you know, it's the, the, the fun of being a sports fan is on a daily basis, the possibility of things occurring that you've never seen or that have never happened or that fascinate or that delight you or that make you angry. I mean, it's to me, it's, you know, I, I at the beginning of every NFL season, I'm, I'm obviously a, a Bengals fan. So I want the Bengals to do well, but there's always the, the different twists and turns that, you know, the season is going to take you on. And I, I look forward to that greatly. Um, and, not having that has been, you know, that's that's left a void that that nothing else can fill. You know, I can I, at the beginning of all this, like a lot of other people, I could find old games to watch, yeah. and you know that to me, the, the the expiration on that came expiration date on that came pretty quickly, and I, you know, I, I have found TV shows to get into, and and uh, you know even other things to go do, but to me there's. As an entertainment vehicle, there's nothing like the sheer unpredictability uh, and storyline potential of a professional or college sports season. Mm -hmm. And so I've really missed that. I, I, I've missed, you know, that part of it, you know, along with just, uh, you know, not being able to go to a game. And, mm -hmm. and again, I mean, you know, typically on, on Fridays here in Cincinnati, uh, I go to a Reds game, a Cincinnati Reds game with, with my buddies. Mm -hmm. And you know, even when the team is bad, that's what we do. Um, and, and so not being able to do that has been, uh, has been something that I've, I've missed immensely. And uh, as soon as we're allowed to go back and do those things again, I will uh, do my best to make up for lost time. Absolutely. So let, let's go back uh, in time a little bit. When you were growing up, were your uh, parents into sport? Did you go and watch, uh, stuff with family member members and was it always football or was it baseball first or was it basketball what what kind of what kind of caught you first baseball was first my my dad uh was an enormous sports fan and and my you know my grandfather as well my my my, my dad was a huge Bengals fan mm. uh, and a huge Cincinnati Reds fan and he also loved college basketball right um, so, you know, it, it started with him, but the first sport that, that I remember sort of gravitating toward, uh, was baseball. Hmm. And I, it's funny, I've, I've, i thought about this, um, I was at my mom's house a few weeks ago and she had a huge rubber bin of schoolwork that I did when I was, you know, in the first grade. Right. And there's a lot of, you know, my favorite color is blue. My favorite food is pizza. <laughs> and universally, uh, all I did was I incorporated baseball. This is So this is when I'm in the first grade, right? I'm mm. six years old. There was always something about baseball. I, I don't remember when I was introduced to the sport. I don't remember the first time that I wanted to play baseball. But, but as long as I can remember, that was something that I was interested in. I remember my first pack of baseball cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a vivid memory of the first Major League Baseball game that I attended, uh, but 
that was just always something that my dad and I had. And then uh, I could vividly remember when I became a Bengals fan was my dad would, would watch uh, football every Sunday. He would sit in his recliner, drink beer and eat peanuts. I would sit next to him and drink root beer and right. eat peanuts. <laughs> and uh, we moved uh, when I was seven years old. We moved away for a while. We moved to a part of the country where, you know, this is pre-internet. It's before you could basically watch whatever game you wanted. Mm. Uh, we moved to a part of the country where you could not often watch the Bengals. Mm. And so my dad would watch. We moved to uh, the New York area. Right. We would watch the Gi- He would watch the Giants and Jets games. A because it was they were the only football games on. But B every ten minutes they would show a highlight from another game. Right. Right. They'd break in. <laughs> and so we would watch it, hoping that they would show a Bengals game. But there was one Sunday in uh, 1985 mm. in which, <clears throat> because the Dallas Cowboys are such a have such a huge national following over here, uh, the Bengals played the Dallas Cowboys. The game was in Cincinnati, and my dad was so excited. And the Bengals won that game. And uh, it was the first time that I watched a game with him, but you know, asked questions, right, you know, right. wanted to, you know, I was like seven years old, so uh-huh. I'm, I'm, or eight years old. I, I asked quest. all right, what is, what is first down me? Uh, you know, explain to me the rules. Hmm. Why is a touchdown worth six points? Stuff like that. Hmm, hmm. Um, and instantly became a Bengals fan. Um, and you know, that was sort of right, you know, right on the verge of, a really fun time to be a fan of the team where they had a good team in 86 and they won 10 mm-hmm. games and they had a obviously the Super Bowl year in 88 and they were pretty relevant in 89 and 90 and then you know we we moved back to town and you know <laughs> I just thought it was it was cool as hell that I I, I was going to be in the same town of the teams that I liked so I only chuckle because uh, uh, the time that you moved back it kind of went off a cliff for the team really didn't it yeah it was awful um <laughs> yes so we moved back uh uh, 91 and they lost their first 10 games that year. <laughs> right, like, right. Great. So, yeah, yeah. but no, it was, uh, it, it, it was, uh, mainly my dad and, and my mom to a degree as well. Mm. And then, you know, just, uh, you know, I, I don't want to sound old, but, uh, I grew up during a time where, you know, kids still went outside and played all day. Mm, and mm. I just, I sort of had this idyllic, childhood in that regard and that all the kids in my neighborhood we played pickup baseball we played tackle football we'd Mm. we'd find you know enough guys to enough kids to to go out and play a full game and then uh, you know i became a you know probably the sport that i was into before football was basketball Mm. Uh, my dad took me to an nba game on christmas day when i was seven years old and and i was hooked on that um and so, but we, we always had a lot of kids in our neighborhood who liked to go out and play. And mm. then in the summertime, you know, when we, when I was a kid and, and we were in New Jersey, I mean, basically school would get out and my mom and dad, who at the time they had gotten a divorce, so they were living apart, mm. they would stick me on an airplane and I'd fly to Cincinnati and spend, you know, eight to 10 weeks with my grandparents. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and then I, you know, I was, then I was in, in the town of the teams that I liked. So yeah, yeah. It, and my grandfather was a huge baseball fan, a huge baseball fan. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I just always had a lot of people in my life who was, as a kid, uh, were very enthusiastic about passing on their knowledge 
and uh, and and what what it was they liked about sports. I always had, and, and I think still do, a a great curiosity about how things work, and so I I always asked a lot of, I guess, good questions, and mm. I had parents. You know, my my mom, her big thing every year was I had to read five books, right? Like her thing was, you know, school's out for the summer. And, but you know, your, your brain still has to work, you know, right. uh, but she was great because she would, we would go, uh, to the library and I, and I would have to get five books and read them, uh, over the course of the summer. And yeah. then, you know, tell my mom what the book was about, not write a book report or anything, but she didn't care what the subject was. So I could get five baseball books or I could get three baseball books and two football books. Right. She didn't care. Um, so I it just, I always had. Uh, parents that encouraged uh, my my interests, and I always had friends that sort of shared the the, the similar interests, and uh, that was a really kind of cool way to grow up. And so that's that's sort of where it all began. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting listening to, to you talk because I, I, I've often thought, and I I believe this with my own sporting or love of sports and my involvement in sports, it, it is intertwined and inextricably linked. With family, right? And uh, it's been, that was so lovely to hear about your dad and your your grandfather and your mom and the the way you ask questions. And I think a lot of our listeners will kind of empathise with that. I'm interested now. It's become a job. Do you still? And it has been a job for a while for you, hasn't it? Um, do you still get that special feeling when you go to sports? Can you switch off professionally and experience a, a a game at Great American Ballpark, or a game at PBS, or a game uh, up at uh, UC. You know, uh, can you switch off and enjoy that as purely a fan, as a fan? Uh, for the most part, absolutely. You know, th- there is there is still something uh, for me um, as as I'm getting set to walk into a sports venue that gets that feeling that I had when I was, you know, nine or 10 years old. Mm. Uh, and that, that, I mean, there's, I, I still, I still get that. Um, I, I still, you know, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I, I still, when I'm, when I'm watching a game, um, it's 100% fan. It's, uh, you know, I can invest myself emotionally, and I could, and I, and I, it's, it's almost 100% thing. Hmm. Um, it's when it's over, you know, that you sort of have to process what happened and how are you going to talk about it and how right. are you going to frame it? And, and that's great. I mean, you know, but it, it I, I, I have no interest in doing this job, uh, from a press box. Hmm. Uh, and that's nothing against you know people who cover sports uh, mm. professionally. Um, I'm glad they do, and, and and you know trust me, we we have some really 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 good talented you know actual journalists in this town, and and mm. we get a number of them on our show, and they're they're great. But mm. I, uh, I I always since I was a little kid, I, I I had two main passions. One was radio. And the other was sports, and I wanted to merge the two, but I didn't want one to compromise the other. Right. I didn't want to be on the radio and not be able to be a fan. Now, you know, I'll I'll admit to you that the the sort of childlike sense of wonder, what you don't do anymore is you don't worship athletes. 
Right. Um, you, you, you know, you, you just, and, and frankly, as an adult, you shouldn't. <laughs> um, so I, I sort of, I take these guys for who they are. Right. But that's a good thing. I, I view them more as human beings. Mm, you know, right. when, when, a when a when a when a when an athlete has a bad day or he doesn't you know hustle to his fullest extent on the field, I tend to look at that more through the lens of guy had a bad day at work, you know, yeah, and, and right. who among us can't uh, or or maybe you know he's he's having a, a rough patch in his life somewhere. So yeah. I, I mean, I you uh, the, the the sense of of innocence is is gone, yeah. but you know the the, the desire to see you know, my teams do well, uh, that's not gone. I mean, I, you know, it's, and, and the, the, the minute that I'm told that, well, I've got to compromise the things that I enjoy for the sake of doing a job, I'll get rid of the job. I mean, right, that's, right. that's just not, that's not a way, that's, that's just not a way that I want to do this. And, 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 and you look it, 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 uh, I struggle sometimes with, um, you know, how much, uh, how, how should I be a little bit more accountable uh, to the people that I talk about? But mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I'm a fan mm-hmm. and I'm a ticket holder and, and I, uh, you know, it's, so it's, it's created some challenges, but no, when I, when I go to a, a Bengals game or I watch the Bengals on TV or whatever, I mean, I'm, I'm there as a fan and I want them to win and I want them to win badly. And um, it, I, I always say, and, you know, some believe it, some don't. I mean, I I speak passionately about the the things that I talk about, but it's coming from a place of genuinely wanting the teams here to do well, mm. genuinely. Mm. So, uh, just wrapping this up, Mo. You've been great with the time. Thank you uh, again for spending some time with us over here. Um, in a, in a word or in a sentence, then what what is sport to you? What does it mean to you? Uh, entertainment. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, I I I certainly understand the power of sports to uh, teach lessons and 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 uh, you know I mean BAA something that reflects I don't know a part of our culture but but uh, I watch sports to be entertained right now. You know, I mean, sometimes they're more entertaining than others, but no, it's, it, it, I, I, they're, they're, they're an entertainment vehicle that, that bonds people. They're an entertainment vehicle that, that provides, you know, some of the happiest moments in my life have revolved around sports. Mm. Um, I mean, and I, I'm not ashamed to say that. So again, I've, I've made, uh, lifelong friendships through, you know, bonds I've created with people who like the same team. Mm. Um, and you know that's whenever I hear people say, "Well, you know, sports are meaningless." Like, no, they're not. I mean, they're, they're you know, this. Why? Why would you say something is meaningless when so many of us devote you know thousands of hours every year to watching, listening, writing, mm. talking about, arguing uh, sports? But at, at the end of the day, it is the best and purest form of entertainment we have. Uh, and I mean in the world that that we have uh, in the world, and it is supposed to be fun, and it is. I think if you if you do it the right way, sports are um, immensely fun. And then you know beyond that, uh, th- there is something unifying. Uh, th- there is something, you know. I, I genuinely do believe that there's 
that, that sports have the ability to uh, bring out the best in people, bring out the best in competitors, and, and sometimes even bring out the best in, um, in the folks watching. I mm-hmm. think sports can inspire. Uh, I think sports can teach great life lessons for younger people. But at the end of the day, it's just great entertainment that uh, I've, uh, I've, I've, uh, I've used at least to, to be able to create bonds with people. Mm. Absolutely. Amen to that. Mo, uh, you, thanks so much again. It's always a, a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you can follow Mo on Twitter at MoEgger1530. Uh, do so. Uh, lots of great stuff there from Mo. Uh, and thank you very much, mate. Uh, it's lovely to know that you're safe and well and you're broadcasting through all this mad- madness and hopefully we can talk more more about Bengal stuff when actually, you know, Bengal stuff starts to happen a bit down the line. Yeah. I look forward to that. Let me know. We'll do it. We'll do it again soon. Okay. Cheers, Mo. Bye, right, Paul. See you, man. That was the brilliant Mo Egger. Some lovely stories there from his uh, connections with sport. And Mo's been terrific during this lockdown. Uh, talking about... As I say, just generally sports stuff, because what else is there to talk about? Um, uh, so I do urge you to go and check him out on Twitter, go and read his stuff in The Athletic. We can't really access his radio stuff. Uh, so if you're listening, ESPN, sort that out. Um, before we get to our correspondences, because this subject has, I think, uh, kind of ignited a barrage of brilliant responses. So thank you so much uh, for getting in touch with this what's the best game that you've ever seen what's the best game you've ever seen in any sport just pure is it for my own benefit or is it just the, the actual spectacle well the one that you enjoyed most um live i'm talking live here oh god um <laughs> one of the funniest games and best games i can remember was a pre-season game hilariously i took a group of about 20 mates to go and see Parma as their first game the Italian football team that I follow mm. to play Fulham at Craven Cottage and there was about 20 of us and Parma were the away team and they were Fulham were in the Premier League at this point and Parma were like horribly unfavoured about five or six to one to win the game and we all met up we all had a load of drinks for the game and we all went into the bookmakers and put 10 pound each with like Paul I think it was 20 pound each or something silly like that each mm. on Parma to win so we marched in there put about Two, three, four, something like two or three hundred quid on Palmer away win against Fulham to sort of make it interesting. Um, Palmer one nil down at half time and came back to win in sort of the 85th minute, two one. I just remember all of us with our shirts off screaming, falling around on the floor because we've won quite a bit of money in the crowd at a pre season game. And I always remember that live as just being an extraordinary experience. Um, that would always go down as me. I think, obviously, as well, one of the best from a Bengals that's, perspective. That's, that's not just the sport though is it that's the whole thing of having mates there and yeah. it's the peripheral stuff like you know the the funny story of putting on loads of money etc etc so i think a sport a live sporting event uh make it to make it memorable it's either you know the result but also the perhaps the circumstances that you are viewing it in or with yeah, and the absolutely. people that you're with so it's the whole package isn't it yeah, another one for me was the, first, the Bengals' first game of the season away against the Jets a few years ago in New York. I was obviously, you know, the NFL mixes everyone in. I was there with my my then what um, my to be wife then, um, and we were with a few friends there, and that was a pretty intense, quite scary atmosphere. Actually, a lot of really like 
riled up Jets fans. You know, obviously sat there with your Andy Dalton jersey on. Yeah. And the Bengals won it with a Mike Nugent field goal at the end. And I, as it goes, absolutely buzzing off my nut as I was. I was very much having to keep my head down. But <laughs> that, in terms of a live experience, that was, you know, the full range of emotions. People going mad and, you know, sort of, oh, I don't know. I remember just, you feeling like you've been ejected with something. It was an absolutely crazy experience. Yeah, yeah, wow. What about yourself, my son? What about what would you say? Um, well, in terms of live experience, I think it was probably the England Scotland game in Euro '96. I just started my new job in London. Uh, I was early twenties, and the industry that I was working in had lots of sort of corporate money. And for some reason, I got invited by a big uh, consumer electronics company, one of the sponsors of the event, to the game, and I'd never been to like anything like that before. So, you know, went to the kind of corporate shenanigans beforehand, you know, in in the kind of hospitality bit, and then went, you know, got into the stadium to watch the game. It was an incredible, iconic game, and um, and yeah, it was it was amazing, really, and something similar for the. What was it the Arsenal Man United FA Cup semi final at Villa Park? And I can't remember what year it was, but it was in the 90s as well. Managed to get some tickets, but had to drive from London to Birmingham uh, straight after work in rush hour traffic. Try and find a place to park near Villa Park, which, if anybody has been to Villa Park, knows it's difficult at the best of times. Somehow we just about managed to get in, maybe five minutes late or whatever, but. Then settled down and saw that magnificent gigs goal, you know. Um, and another one for me was, uh, seeing, you know, so I'm quite my my love for basketball has been reignited thanks to the Last Dance and um, one of the football tours. We did a sort of uh, an exchange trip to America, and I found myself in Atlanta sleeping in uh, a family, uh, the Ravita household in Atlanta. And we went off and played games against local teams or whatever. That was that was good fun. But then uh, Mr. and Mrs. Ravita said, you know, is there anything that you w- would like to see, a sporting event or a game here or whatever? It wasn't in NFL season, so couldn't go and see the Falcons. But uh, I did say I'm a huge fan of Dominique Wilkins, and they managed to get me tickets to... Uh, a Hawks game, so I managed to go and see Dominique Wilkins play and Moses Malone and Spud Webb and all these guys. So that was really memorable. So I've been very lucky, very lucky over the years, really. And uh, but there's some of my best memories, as I say, are just with Dad on as kind of cheesy and as I feel like I want to play the Hovis theme tune uh, behind this. But um, you know, just standing with Dad watching crap amateur level football. Him smoking his fags and me kind of running around uh, the stadium with a few of my mates. And that was like every Saturday, you know. So it just doesn't have to be the size of the event. It's just, I think it's who you're with in the circumstance, really. No, 100%, 100%. I, the one thing the US does so well as well, which I think, you know, a lot of people in the States will uh, attest to is the amazing tailgating before games. The way that they get people together in communities, sit there have a barbecue, have a drink, you know, bring people together that way. I think that's a, an incredible tradition that I would love, um, you know, even more so to make its way over to the UK because it's such a, you know, a lovely experience. 
Well, we shall see. Uh, there might be more fights over here than there are over there, really, but we'll, we shall see. But anyway, let's get to our correspondence. There's a lot of them, so uh, a lot of passionate sports fans out there, uh, which is great to hear. You can get hold of us as ever at today underscore UK. Um, first one off the ranks is Shawnee at Shawnee01. Football or soccer, whatever we call it, has had a massive impact on my life since I was probably two or three years old. It's always been the main topic of conversation in my household, as well as my family households. And being in, being born in 91, Sky kicked in, so there's been live football throughout my life. Going up to Celtic games from Birmingham has given me the chance to make some great pals. And also, without the confidence boost from meeting strangers there, I probably wouldn't have come uh, came to any of your meetups either. I did the 300-mile each-way trip for the first time with my uncles as a five-year-old in 1996 and was hooked for life. Playing-wise, I've been a keeper on and off for a while, got back into it and found a team just before lockdown, but have only played three matches so far. I can va- Oh, and finally, Celtic have, have given me the chance to travel all over Europe to some cities I'd never think of visiting. It's amazing to think where my life would be without them. And I can vouch for Sean because he did turn up to one of our meetups on his own, um, which I was really impressed with, and he's a lovely man. So, Sean, nice one. Memphis Soul Soul Stew at Stuart Bears 688. Big Formula One and lots of other motorsports fan would have been in Austria yesterday for the Grand Prix. Well, there you go. I think a lot of people uh, would have been travelling to... to, um, to watch their sports this year if it wasn't for you know what so hopefully next year Andrew Dockerall at Dockers 77 sport is huge for me without it I'd certainly be a lot more unfit physically and mentally there's something about crossing a white line or the cricket boundary rope that lets you turn off the outside world and be in the moment I've been lucky enough to watch some amazing games at Lords, sitting next to Clive Lloyd Twickenham, Wembley, Roland Garros, Bridgeton Arena, uh, the NHL, uh, San Mames in Bilbao, or sorry, it's probably San Mames in Bilbao and more. Playing flag football in Craven Cottage and Cancun. Cricket at Headingley are the highlights. And of course, Andrew is a, is a fine flag football player. We have a fine flag... Fla- oh, I can't even say it. Uh, Michael Smith at solid underscore handle. Solid handle. Well, I cried when Liverpool FC won the title and said to my other half how much I wanted to share it with my dad and late grandfather. In a normal world, I think I'd have to party for a week when the Bengals win the Super Bowl. Who's with me? Uh, yes, I'm there. Um, I've always yeah, said... Messy old week, that. Oh, yeah. I've always said if the Bengals ever got back to the Super Bowl again, I wouldn't actually be bothered about going to the actual Super Bowl, as weird as that sounds. I would go to Cincinnati and watch it uh, in Cincinnati, I think. Yeah, that's a good shout. Good shout, that is. Duncan Yeadon at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solid handle. Used to love football, but that's died now. Uh, poor old Duncan is a, was, well, still is, I guess, a Berry FC fan. But Berry, unfortunately, went, uh, uh, well, went the way of the dodo, for now, at least. Uh, because of financial irregularities and debts and all that kind of stuff. So, 
Uh, no wonder Duncan's feeling a bit uh, melancholy about that sort of side. Duncan uh, was quite heavily involved in that, wasn't he? I heard I, that there was uh, some dodgy dealings between him and Steve <laughs> Dale at the club. Stop staring, you. Um, <laughs> uh, my life now revolves around cricket in the NFL. Chatting to Sam Ainge outside the Admiralty in London uh, over our best ever World Test eleven was something until he dropped in Jeff Boycott, got bored and stole <laughs> Tim Knowles' Bengals hat. Anyway, that's probably uh, best left uh, to you guys. Uh, Killian at Malloy underscore double zero. I'd sit down and watch any sport. Cricket, football and American football are what really takes my interest. Elsewhere, as I study sports management in college and work for Cricket Leinster, so rarely a day goes by where I'm not studying, playing, watching or working in sports. I think yeah, a lot of people would envy you with that job, uh, Kelly, and that sounds fantastic. Uh, here, what we got next? How, what's this? Atlanta Falcons at ATL Falcons UK. Wow, we've got, we got it. Uh, infringement from the enemy here um favorite sporting moments watching berry get promoted three times especially the first time in 2011 last minute goal to send us up watch it on youtube also the 2015 one at tranmere there's a great video uh, of showing the crowd throughout the day he makes uh, he or she makes no mention of that super bowl against the patriots a few years ago it's funny funny that really isn't it um <laughs> See, that's what you get that's if you come into Bengals territory. Yeah, I was going to say, that's why no one else many other fangers. Next, they get ro- rolled over hot coals by you, must have. <laughs> Absolutely. Chris Hood at uh, Hooday CP. Now, Chris is an interesting character. He writes books. Um, and you can go and look at his blog at, or read his blog. That sounds very old. You can go look at his internet page at uh, hood, <laughs> hoodcp.wordpress.com. And there's some genuinely interesting stuff there because Chris is, uh, you know, linked with Japan. He goes there a lot for work and pleasure. And um, he's written a few books as well. And Chris said, I've been following sumo wrestling since around 1984, about the same time that I started supporting the Bengals. Used to watch it on Channel 4, which is, uh, for American listeners, one of our terrestrial uh, channels over here. Uh, Have been to many tournaments in Japan one non-official tournament, which are a lot of fun as they mess around a bit and you can get up close. Would you like to get up close to a couple of sumo wrestlers, Nathan? I don't know. I'd get, get in their face, my son, you know, give them, give them a piece <laughs> of my mind. I would love to see you in those sort of big sumo nappies taking on one of them big lads, I must say. Um, <laughs> Not sure it lasts very long. No, that's true. Uh, Chris also said, I've also met several uh, Ricky Shiri uh, sumo wrestlers and been to watch morning training see this and he's written about it on his blog and um so see, see, this is what you this is what you get on cincinnati it's a bit of cultural variety this is what you don't exactly. get with the other uk podcasts it's you know they're rambling on about american football you don't get the ins and outs of sumo wrestling no you on don't. other uk-based american football podcasts that's what i love about cincinnati Absolutely. uh japanese baseball he's a fan of as well what's the hanshin tigers a team that always seems to manage to grab defeat from the jaws of victory Sound familiar? And he's writing a new book, uh, a new novel, which uh, which he, uh, Tim Cromwright is featured in it. So go and check out Chris's uh, blog. Um, Matt Gibbs at Wakey Ram, Derby County, since forever. Remember Grandad driving me there and holding the wheel while he lit up a cigarette. I would be would have been seven or eight years old, I think. 
Best thing I ever saw was Gianfranco Zola for Chelsea warming up pre-game. Keepy uppers for 10 minutes, head, shoulders, knees, you name it. It was incredible. Um, Bengals captain at Bengals captain. Uh, hello, Jeremy. Sports were just an escape for me and a way to channel my competitiveness. They still are, but now it's so much more. They're bridging gaps, connecting people, creating friendships and memories I never imagined I'd have. I've always been thankful for sports, but even more now. Well, there you well go. Well said. Uh, Peter Brook at Brook underscore Pete. Uh, sport is a massive part of my life, always has been for both physical and mental well-being reasons. Like most sports, as long as animals and engines are involved. Uh, coached soccer and cricket in the past. Uh, but soccer isn't the game I grew up with, so I haven't watched a game for to, for four to five years. Favourite sports, NFL, golf, cycling, cricket and baseball. Favourite event has to be the Ryder Cup in Valderrama in 1997. Awesome atmosphere and great banter with the US fans. Um, Do you know what I reckon? After all these comments coming in, I reckon we could get together a fairly solid Bengals cricket team. I, like, I be, agree. There's a few geezers like, rolling about. Sam Ainger and Duncan, I know, play. Yourself, sir, you used to play a bit of cricket, didn't you? I, I used did. to play a little bit. A little bit. You know, there's a few lads that, uh, you know, I know Jamie Rose, is a keen cricket fan. I don't know if he plays, but there's a, mm. you know, the gentleman that just um, tweeted in now, plays a bit of cricket, coached a bit of cricket. I, that's got to be, you know, more than halfway to 11 there. I could I could see if any other UK-based NFL teams got <laughs> a cricket challenge. I reckon we'd take them on. Let's do it. I'm up for that. Uh, Cornelius Von Pop. At Tadford. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. certainly the best name of it. That's the best hand, like, name handle we've ever had. Cornelius Von Pop. I grew up playing Little League baseball and my father was the coach. Our best bonding years. And we were the champs. So a win-win in every situation there, I think. Um, uh, Duncan at Dastardly Duncan. Solid handle. Horse racing is about the only major sport I don't have much knowledge of. Although I'm not a big motorsports guy either. Grew up watching Brighton and Sussex Cricket Clubs, uh, Brighton Football and Sussex Cricket Club regularly, and then latterly got involved in MMA and American sports. Story-wise, me and the wife went to see the Oakland A's versus the San Francisco Giants at the infamous Coliseum in 2020, Sorry, 2011. It was moderate but breezy where we were staying in San Fran, so we got the BART to Oakland and didn't think anything of it. Upon taking our seats, it became clear that the weather can be totally different inland in uh, Oakland. It was probably the hottest day I've ever experienced. Could feel myself burning. We had no sunscreen. Uh, nothing for protection at all. In the end, uh, we put our jumpers on and just, just to keep the sun off, the wife got so burnt on the top side of her arms, I cross christened her crab sticks. But wait, it got worse. Whilst my beloved went for a hot dog, I noticed a guy eating nuts and dropping the shells a few rows back. Not uncommon at US ball games. Two minutes later, something hits me on the back. Uh-oh. Not to worry, probably a nutshell bounced down and got me. I asked the wife when she got back, is there anything on my shirt, which was plain white. She took one look and said, a bird has shat on you. So there you go. <laughs> Burnt alive, shat on, giant's lost, so Defo won't be going back to Oakland soon. 
got a good nickname out of it though uh thank you duncan uh, sorry about the bird poo there um craig walker at th twit no sorry thw twit uh today i was doing a fun now craig is from scotland he's he's he loves i know this for a fact he loves partick thistle the uh football team up there and he's quite involved in in working with them and doing bits and bobs for them and craig says today i was doing a photo shoot for a football coach i do some work for he was doing a drill with a kid and i was stunned when he told him to do the icky shuffle in and out of the ladder he had no idea where the phrase came from until i told him but he said it was well known in coaching well there you go bloody hell that's quite uh incredible isn't it um turn up for the books Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. We've mentioned Sam a few times uh, in this podcast. Sport is everything. Playing cricket was pretty much all I did as a youth and grew up on football also. Favourite game had to be the Bengals versus the Redskins. However, heartbreaking at the time. Favourite moment was meeting all the Bengals UK lot for the Rams game. What Redskins game is he talking about if it's heartbreaking? Did, have we lost? I don't know. We lost heavily to the bank, uh, or heartbreakingly to the Redskins. It was a tie, wasn't it, against the Redskins? No, wasn't that the London? The first London game was a tie, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah, maybe that was it. Well, that, that was we. I mean, we we snatched a a tie from the jaws of defeat in that one from memory, didn't we? Sam Angel's easily heartbroken, the geezer. Well, he is a sensitive soul, isn't he, our Sam? Um, <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. Peter Dadswell at uh, Dadders. Uh, as a sports nut, I've found many sports add significantly to my life, whether it be cricket, the Ashes victory in 81 and 2005, international rugby, England games, British Lions tours, golf, Ryder Cup weekends is required viewing. But especially football, I took so much from getting coaching badges and, my co- and coaching my son and others at grassroots football. It has now led to me scouting for the academy of a professional club, Sheffield Wednesday, trying to enable young talented players getting their first step on a path to possibly a professional career is very rewarding. Meanwhile, I have a great passion for the Bengals and an increasing passion for the Reds. The way Americans do sport is so very different and adds layers to my passion for sports. There you go. Um... Um, and finally, Warrior at Warrior Nate ninety nine. Off topic question: Season is in jeopardy, and I've just had the email from the NFL Game Pass. So do I pay and hope for the best, or cancel now and renew if this season starts? Uh, I've not had my Game Pass email yet, but I would. I don't know. I'm surprised that they don't give you the option. Really. Um, I mean, oh, cancel and then renew. I mean, you can do that anytime, can't you? Really can't you? I think they give you a preferential rate don't they if you um, oh, just right, resubscribe right. Um, I think I think they'll I, I just go ahead and re-scribe, um, resubscribe I think if they choose to if the season doesn't go ahead they'll almost certainly refund you so I I'll, yeah, personally just think full steam ahead I think somehow they'll you know whether or not it's the right thing to do I think they will go ahead with the season um, as planned we shall see. Let's hope so. Um, well, well, that's about uh, your lot. We're into the 90s. Um, hundred, we're going to have to kind of make plans for our 100th episode in, what, about two months' time, I think. Um, so watch this space. Um, thank you for all your correspondence. I think that has 
confirmed how much sport is, uh, how important sports are to us for many different reasons. You know, as you say, just on an end, as, as Mo and yourself said, Nathan, uh, purely on an entertainment level, but also there's uh, the community side of it, that, that human desire to be part of a community and a, and a pack, you know. Um, then there's the kind of nostalgia side of it, the family side of it, the tradition side of it. There's lots of different elements that go into making sport so important. Uh, and obviously now with with our football back on TV and uh, basketball coming back soon, I see baseball, they're, they're, they've just started sort of training again. So, you know, despite everything that's going on in the world, hopefully sports will be back in a big way um, sooner rather than later. Amen. And how are you getting on your walk? You finish that? You're back home now? I'm I'm on my circling now. So I've circled now. Like I said, on my like I'm aeroplane. He's got back to his home base. <laughs> Don't want to go up the stairs. So I'm just doing a little like cheeky circle around the block, son. Very good. Um, well, um, I will let you go and have your tea now, Nathan. So do keep in touch with us. As I say, Bengals UK on Facebook at two day underscore UK on Twitter. We'll be back with another watch party on Sunday and another podcast on the Monday. But until then, it is indeed yet again as ever every week. A who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.